بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Dear brothers, sisters, uh, dear friends, uh, first time in this masjid, nice to be with you today. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open his doors of mercy for us and bless us all and make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. Since the children are also listening, I think what we'll do is Ramadan is the month of the Quran. So I'm looking at some of the verses of the 15th Jews today. The 15th Supara. There's a lot of guidance in there for us. So we'll start with A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaytanir Rajeem Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Subhanal Ladhi Asra Bi'abdihi Laylam Minal Masjidil Harami Ilal Masjidil Aqsa Ladhi Barakna Hawlahu Linuriyahu Min Ayatina Innahu Huwa Sami'ul Basir the 15th juz begins with Surah to Bani Israel. It begins with the Surah of Bani Israel, which has a big discussion about the children of Israel and um, the various different histories that are related to it. It's a well-known history. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts by saying that glorified is he who, who took his servant by night. He took his servant by night from the Masjid al-Haram to Masjid al-Aqsa. The Masjid al-Aqsa around which we had blessed so that we can show him of our signs. And he is the all-hearing and the all-seeing. So that's Masjid al-Aqsa. From Masjid al-Haram to Masjid al-Aqsa. These are two of the earliest masjids in the world. Once, while I was Imam in America, there was an individual who was interested in Islam, he was studying Islam. So he came to the masjid and he said, you people always speak about the importance of Masjid Al-Aqsa, but I've not found it written anywhere in the Quran. I've read the whole Quran. He was a non-Muslim, still studying Islam. And he said, I've not found it written anywhere in the Quran. I said, no, it's there. Look, it's, I'm a Hafiz of the Quran. It's Masjid Al-Aqsa is mentioned the 15th Jews. Then I thought, I said, okay, which, he, obviously he was looking at a translation. He wasn't looking at the Arabic. So I said, which translation did you use? So he was looking at Abdullah Yusuf Ali. It's a famous translation, Abdullah Yusuf Ali. It's quite an old one. He was looking at that translation. So the way Abdullah Yusuf Ali has translated this is glorified, if I remember correctly, glorified is he who took his servant by night from the sacred precinct. Masjid al-Haram, sacred precinct. Haram means sacred, inviolable. And masjid, he translated as precinct, area. To Masjid al-Aqsa, the furthest precinct. So that's why he couldn't find Masjid al-Aqsa in the Quran. Because it was translated. Al-Masjid al-Aqsa means the furthest masjid. Because in those days, it was the furthest masjid. From Makkah, it was the furthest masjid. Otherwise... The area is Jerusalem, Baytul Maqdis, Al Baytul Muqaddas, 
These are all the various different names that uh, are given to this. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the Bani Israel and what they did and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had warned them about and the punishment that came to them, how they were thrown out of Jerusalem. And then after that, Allah says again, if you're going to do this again, we'll do the same thing again. All of that discussion is there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then mentions a number of things about the signs of the world like the, the night and the day. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the Qur'an, the purpose of the Qur'an. This Qur'an guides towards that which is the most straight and the most right and the most upright and correct. That's what the Qur'an tells us. And it gives glad tidings to the believers, those who do good deeds, that for them is a huge reward. See the Qur'an, many of us who are not Arabs, we, mashallah, we learn to read the Qur'an. Alif, ba, ta, tha, we learn to read the Qur'an and we read the Qur'an, mashallah. And that's great. We get huge reward for every letter. You get 10 rewards. And in Ramadan, you get more rewards. So lots of people, they do lots of Qur'an reading and may Allah accept it. The Qur'an though is not just a book of reading. The Qur'an wasn't sent down just so that we read it. That's just one way of approaching the Qur'an, a blessed way. The Qur'an is a message, it's a guidance, it's an interaction. Allah is speaking, us, speaking to us through the Qur'an. If you read the Qur'an, He asks us questions. He says, don't you think? Do you know why? I did this, or do you know why this happened? Do you know what this is? Do you know what that is? This is questions. And sometimes when we don't look at the translation, we don't know that he's communicating with us. In Surah Al-Fatiha, half of it is a dua, that we are making a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, guide us to the straight path. So that's why in our salat, we sometimes don't have concentration because we don't know what we're reading. We're reading it without meaning. So I would encourage everybody, especially during the month of Ramadan, to learn the meaning of Surah Al-Fatiha. Many of you probably already do so. Those who don't, learn the meaning of Surah Al-Fatiha. قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ Maybe ten surahs. Even if you get a general idea of what the surah is saying, then when you start reading, when you start praying your salat, mashallah, be amazing. You get concentration. Thereafter that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about a number of the prophets of the past. وَكَمْ أَهْلَكْنَا مِنَ الْقُرُونِ مِنْ بَعْدِ نُوحِ How many different nations we destroyed after Nuh alayhi salam's generation. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows, Allah says, وَكَفَى بِرَبِّكَ بِذُنُوبِ عِبَادِهِ خَبِيرًا بَصِيرًا Allah knows, Allah is well aware, 100% aware of the sins of His servants. And He can see and he can hear, he knows exactly everything what's going on. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if you want to focus on the world for the advance, not for the advance, but for the early, immediate blessings or bounties or goods of the world, we'll give it to you. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 18, مَنْ كَانَ يُرِيدُ الْعَاجِلَ تَعَجَّلْنَا لَهُ فِيهَا مَا نَشَاءُ لِمَنْ نُرِيدُ ثُمَّ جَعَلْنَا لَهُ جَهَنَّمْ يَصْلَاهَا مَذْمُومًا مَدْحُورًا Whoever wants these early goods, lots of dunya, 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 will give it to him. No problem. We can give as much as we want. We have the ability to give you all what you want. There's no restriction to whom he, we want. But then we will just give him Jahannam. But that's not what we want to give you. We created you to be successful. Allah created this world as an imtihan, as an abode of examination to test. We started in paradise, remember that. So we were actually created for paradise. But something happened. So now Allah says... We're going to test you in this world and if you're good then you'll come to paradise. So Allah created this world for success. You know people who start schools and madrasas and universities, do they do it because they want to fail people? I'm going to create a madrasa or a school because I like to fail people. I enjoy it. Nobody does that. That's crazy. You create to make people better, to make people knowledgeable. To make people more aware. But some people don't work hard enough. So Allah says, okay, if you don't work hard enough, I'll have to punish you. That's the system that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. Thereafter Allah says, وَمَنْ أَرَادَ الْآخِرَةَ وَسَعَى لَهَا سَعْيَهَا وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنْ فَأُولَٰئِكَ كَانَ سَعْيُهُمْ مَشْكُورًا And whoever intends the akhirat, whoever's focus is the akhirat, and who makes an effort for it. So akhirat cannot be gained without an effort. If we don't make effort, then it'll just be dunya, dunya, dunya. You have to make an effort to get the akhirah. And the person is a believer, then his, his efforts, we will treat it with gratitude. We will be very grateful to that. We'll treat it with gratitude. Uh, let, let's look at something. This dunya, why is dunya called dunya? What does dunya mean? We translate it as the world, but what exactly does dunya mean? Dunya means close. That's the word. Dunya just means close. Because this is the close world. Addarud dunya. The close abode, the close house, the close place. That's what it is. Dunya is called the close one. Because it's closest. We're in it right now. Where are we going? To the akhirah, to the next world. Again, akhirah just means the next world. Ad-darul akhirah. Dar means house. Dar means place. Akhirah just means the next one. So which one comes first? The dunya does. Right? You're understanding, right? What's your name? Yeah. yeah. Ayman. MashaAllah. So Ayman, you're understanding, right? Okay. The dunya comes first. The akhirah comes <coughs> second. Now, if, you, if somebody wants to go to the akhirah, can you go directly to the akhirah? You have to go through the dunya. You have to go through the dunya. So dunya is necessary. Akhirah is necessary as well. Now, we're definitely going to go to the akhirah, right? Everybody believes that, inshallah to jannah. Inshallah to jannah. So now the question is that we, when we make choices for this world, we all have to make choices. We have to make plans. And we uh, take certain courses. We buy, we work. Because we're planning for the next five, ten years. As Muslims, as believers in the Akhirah, which is the real world, 
what we need to do is we need to plan for the akhirah as well, for the next world as well. And it's easy to do that. See, if you plan just for the dunya, then the akhirah doesn't come into it. Because if I'm planning just for the next 10, 15, 20 years of the world, akhirah does not come into it. But if I plan for the dunya with the akhirah in mind, then the dunya will also be dealt with and the akhirah will also be dealt with. So you're still going to have to live in the dunya and your plan will in include the dunya, but the akhirah will also be made. For example, two people go to university. Two guys go to university. One has these big ideas that he wants to get a job in this particular company, in his subject, and he wants to make this money, and so on and so forth. The other one, I'm going to university because I want to get away from home. Because my parents, they're too strict. So I just want to go to university so I can have some freedom. I can enjoy. Now tell me, these two people, are they going to work the same way? No. Clearly the one who's got ambitions and goals, mashallah, even this will improve. The one who has just ambition for this university next three years, then it's just going to be for the three years because he's not even thinking of the future. Oh, I'll deal with that when I get to it. You know, Jannah, paradise, is that where we want to go? We want to go to Jannah, the gardens. See, Jannah means gardens because most of it is garden. There's buildings there as well, but you're not going to be stuck in a building in paradise. In England, we're stuck in buildings, right? But the ideal thing is that you can go outside and enjoy the greenery, the water beneath which rivers flow, those streams and all the amazing things. Jannah is called the garden. Yes, there are buildings in there. There's you know, hadith which tell us your, your, the buildings in there will be gold and silver and musk and everything else. You can go in there for privacy with your spouses. I don't want to start speaking about spouses right now. Because okay? that's a very interesting topic. But Jannah is the garden, Al-Jannah. Now, you want to go to Jannah. Have you ever read a review of Jannah? If you want to go holiday somewhere, like you want to go to holiday in Morocco, do you just book Morocco? You don't know anything about Morocco. I'm just going to book. I'm going to go there. Or do you ask, brother, you've been to Morocco. Can you please tell me about it? Is it worth going there? You read reviews. You read brochures. You check the online. You read reviews, right? Have you ever read a review of Paradise? Have you ever checked for reviews of Paradise? Details of paradise. I guess you can't ask anybody who's been to paradise already. But you can definitely read reviews about paradise. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fills the Quran with reviews of paradise. 100% accurate reviews. Not even any false reviews like you get on Amazon and other places. You know, our attitude to paradise is like this. I don't know, maybe you can relate to this. You know, if there's somebody in Hobigonj or Olifur or Bishnat or somewhere and he wants to come to London. He wants to come to London. He sees dreams. London. Um, in India, London is the whole country. Right? And then when you say, no, I'm from London, they say, in, in India, they'll say, proper London. I said, there's only one London. <laughs> because for them, the whole country is London. Bas, London, that's the dream. Subhanallah. Allah Ta'ala, Allah's grace for us. Allah preserve them. Allah preserve everybody. They want to come to London. For them, they want to come anywhere in London. doesn't matter. Drop me off at the seaside. Drop me off on the coast. It doesn't matter where. Drop me off in Newcastle. 
they don't care. It's just, I want to get to London. I don't care where in London. No problem. I just want to get to London. Our attitude to paradise should not be like this. Our attitude should be planned. We find out Jannah has many different types. There's Jannatul Firdaus. That's the A'la Jannah. There are the Jannatul Adan. There's Jannatul Naim. And subhanallah, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's descriptions of paradise. When you uh, plan for something, it's just much better, more successful. So going back to this point, the dunya, we're going to plan for the dunya with a view of the akhirah. Our dunya will also be done. If I'm going to buy a house, where am I going to buy a house? How do I think of akhirah if I'm going to buy a house? Think about it. If I want to buy a house, how do I think of the akhirah when I buy a house? If I think purely from a dunya perspective and I've got a lot of money, then I'm going to go and find the best house somewhere and it doesn't matter who else lives there, whether there's a masjid close by or not. I just want the best house where I can show off, I can show that you know, I've got substance. I've not considered akhirah. But if I buy a house and I've got lots of money and I want to buy a house, but I want to focus on the hereafter as well, the first thing I'm going to look for is that is there a masjid close by? Because I'm going to have children. Will they be catered for? Will they have the right place to get educated? I'm going to think of these things for the akhirah purposes. Again, planning for the world. I need a job. Right? I need a job. If I'm doing a job purely for the dunya, then I don't care whether it's halal or haram. I don't care whether it's fitna in there or not. Whether the income is 100% halal or not whether it's odd hours or crazy hours or whatever the case is, because I just want dunya. But if my focus is 80, 90, 100 years beyond the akhirah as well, then the job that I get, hopefully it's a job I can pray. It's a job I can uh, act as a Muslim, embrace my faith, not have fitna, and so on. That's what I'm saying. That's the way we need to focus on the akhirah. The dunya will get done, and when you do that, you get more barakah in your dunya. When you do it for the right reason, you get more blessing in the dunya. Otherwise, Allah leaves you to it. Then if you're successful, you say, otherwise you're not successful. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala moves into something very specific from verse 23. Allah says, وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا إِمَّا يَبْلُغَنَّ عِنْدَكَ الْكِبَرَ أَحَدُهُمَا أَوْ كِلَاهُمَا فَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفٍّ وَلَا تَنْهَرْهُمَا وَقُلْ لَهُمَا قَوْلًا كَرِيمًا And he carries on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed that you should not worship anybody but Allah. That's just a reminder, we know that. But Allah reminds us again, you should only worship Allah. And you should have excellent treatment of your parents. You should do ihsan to your parents. You should deal with them in the most excellent way. You owe them a lot. Because after Allah, your parents come second in terms of how we came into this world. And this is where it gets difficult. Sometimes our parents are challenging. They're difficult. They're tough. They're not easy going. Right? And 
on the one hand we have the Quran verse that you must be good with your parents and on the other hand they're making us cry we can't do anything right we're always doing something wrong does anybody feel that way? subhanallah so what do you do? you see if you have a wife a spouse and they're tough you can divorce you can find another one but there's some things if you have a car that's giving you trouble get another one no problem but there's some things which Allah has made us linked forever whether we like it or not we didn't choose this this is what Allah put us there that's what we have to keep in mind that we have to just do the best in that situation Allah will inshallah forgive us for mistakes we make if we make tawbah that's fine but we do our best in that regard now when it comes to parents, the ulama right, because a lot of the time what happens is that your parents tell you don't pray. For example, don't go to the masjid. Uh, a lot of people get confused because I must obey my parents. I must obey my parents. So should I not go to the, should I not pray, should I not cover, should I not keep a beard, should I, you know, whatever the, the things are. So the fuqaha, our jurists, they have made guidelines for this. They've mentioned that, look, sometimes parents are oppressive. The parents are zalim. They're oppressive. They're unjust. Sometimes that could happen. For example, one man told me he looks after his parents. They live in his house. His wife and himself and the children, they serve the parents all the time. He's got another younger brother. The parents don't live with him but they're always favoring that brother. They live in his house, but they're always favoring the other brother. That's tough. Subhanallah, Allah make it easy. That is tough. I can understand that. Because you can't just get angry on your parents and say, you are unfair, I mean, you are like this, you're bad, whatever. You, it, you just can't do that. But then how do you deal with this then? So we have to say you make sabr. Allah will reward you. You do the best that you can do. That's that situation. But what about if your parents are telling you to do something haram? Well, Allah makes it very clear you do not follow them in that. You're not obliged to follow them. In fact, ulama have written that if your parents, if you want to do something like even mustahab, a sunnah, and your parents say don't do it because they don't like it, should you do it or not? They're saying that if you're, you're doing it is going to neglect them somehow. It's going to cause problem in their service. Then you can't do this because your serving them is necessary. But if they're healthy and mashallah they're healthy and by you doing this it's going to be beneficial for you and it's not going to harm them in any way, then you have a right to do that, but just keep being polite with them. The most difficult situation is for our youth, when the parents want them to marry someone, like their nephew or niece, and the child doesn't want to. What do you do in that situation? What we say from before is, don't wait until this time. Don't wait until your children become 23 years old, and now you have to have this discussion, and you're not on the same you're not on the same wavelength. 
You need to start talking about this from earlier. You need to understand what your child wants. You need to make their mind from before. And they need to understand what you want from before. When they, come, when you, they become 25 and then you just suddenly say, Oh, you need to marry. That's a surprise. It's a shock. And they may not want to do it. So the ideal situation is start earlier. You know, we d- discuss what would you, who would you like to marry? This is what we think. And meet somewhere. That's the best situation and everybody's happy. And if everybody's happy, it's a better family. Otherwise, what's the point of an angry family? Of a, dis, of a disjointed family? Of a disputing family? You know, there's no happiness in that. Okay. What happens if you as a son or daughter and your parents say at the age of 20, you must marry this person, what should you do? And you were interested somewhere else. Then I would say that you may do your best to try to see if you can marry who your parents want you to marry. You do your best because you need your parents. Your parents have done a lot for you. you, you, they, you they, they have entitlement. You owe it to them. So you do your best to try to make that work. But in some cases, the choice is a very bad choice. Because, you know, we get the questions of people's marital problems. Sometimes it's just a very bad choice. You just can't. I do istikhara, it's no. But the parents saying yes. Subhanallah, that's a tough one. In that case, consult a scholar. Because that's a tough case. The hukum is, you're not obliged to marry that person. Especially if you have made mashwara, and 100% um, it seems that it's not going to work for you. Because the guy is a bad guy. Uh, sometimes parents make people marry druggies or they make them marry a relative just because to keep the family ties and, uh, or in a particular village or whatever the case is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, mashallah, do you think a uh, hundred years ago we would have ever met? I don't think a hundred years ago everybody sitting in this room, unless you're from the same village or same few villages that we would have even met. That was for hundreds of years, unless you were a major traveler. Allah has brought us close together, mashallah, now. You know, from different countries, different villages. We have to learn with, to live with one another. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make that easy. So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, If any of them, if any of your parents reach an old age, any of them reach an old age, they eventually will reach an old age if you don't die earlier. Or oh, both of them reach an old age. Now, فَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا uff. Don't even say uff. Now, uff is just the Arabic word. Now, in Gujarati, I don't know, what do they say? What do they say in Bangladeshi for uff? Same thing. Not durlala. That's different. Okay. My friend used to say that to me. That's why I know that word. Right? What does that mean? Same. Same thing. Okay. So, dur used to say. Like, like get away or get out or something. Well, you're not going to say that to your father. Uf is actually just... It's the minor word. So obviously anything bigger than that you can't say. Now what about if you disagree on something? They're clearly wrong. Still, you can't say uf. You just politely decline. You politely say, look, you know... Or just stay silent. You don't have to do what they tell you to do if it's wrong. But... You're not allowed to say anything bad to them. Sometimes we make mistakes though. You get angry. We make mistakes. We say things to our parents. 
And Allah forgive us for that. We make tawbah, we ask for forgiveness. Allah rewards hugely because this is such an important relationship. At the end of the day, when the parents grow old, they need their children. Think about that. The children, we should think about this. Who else are they going to go for for help? If it's not for their children, why did they have children? It's so that they're not lonely when they're, when they're at an old age. And that's why Allah has given huge rewards for people who respect their parents. There's one man I was told about. His, you know, some people, they develop ear, hearing problem. So they can't hear properly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, we're told that don't raise your voice to your parents. Don't raise your voice to your parents. Now his parents can't, his mom can't hear properly. So, if he speaks to her, he has to speak loudly. Have you seen with some parents, because they can't hear, you have to say, Mommy, eat the food. Khana kalo, you know, or something like that. Now, he's remembering that I should not raise my voice to the parents. So, whenever he would go to visit her, physically, he would just sit there and listen to her. He wouldn't say anything. Because she couldn't hear him, unless he spoke loudly. And he did not want to speak loudly in front of her. So he would just listen to her and smile. Then what he would do is whenever he would be at home, he would call her. And because she could hear from the phone because he's right there. He would only speak to her on the phone. But he would not speak to her physically because he would have to shout and he did not want to shout. And mashallah, this guy got a huge reward. This guy got a huge reward. See, this is being clever. This is being clever about how to do this, to observe this. So, yes, parents can be difficult. But they need us and it's a, a relationship that can't be broken. So, if we have bad parents or bad brothers or bad children, okay, with bad children, we can say that we did bad tarbiyah. That's why we can blame ourselves. But you can't blame yourself for bad parents, can you? So who are you going to blame? You can't blame anybody. That's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you that challenge. Maybe he wants your status to be elevated by the sabr that you will do. I guarantee you any children, and we're all children of our parents, even if we're 50 years old, right? If we have tough parents, but we persevere, then maybe this is Allah's blessing on us in a tough way, because sabr has the greatest reward. Out of everything in Islam, sabr has the greatest reward. That's why fasting is sabr, and Allah says, I'm going to give you rewarding for it, reward for it. Because sabr is, without sabr, you could not live in this world. Otherwise, you'll be arguing, you'll be miserable, you'll be sad, you'll be destroyed. Imagine if you can't, because you can't get your way all the time. So if you have a brother, or a sister, or pair, especially parents, that are tough, Ask Allah for help because nobody else can help you. And it's our, uh, we, we make our best effort to do that. That's why then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And say to them honorable things. Say to them noble things. And lower your wings of humility for them. Don't be arrogant in front of your parents. Just because now you're stronger. And your father is weaker. That's the same father that used to carry you. When you were weak. Just because you become stronger now, and mashallah, you pull a few weights, and you could probably beat your father up or your mother up.
Allah says, do this out of mercy. This is mercy. When you show mercy to others, and this world cannot work without mercy to one another. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most merciful one. Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. And we're told by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, irhamu man fil ard. Yarhamkum man fil sama. Have mercy on those on the earth and the ones in the heaven, the angels and so on, will have mercy on you. Ar-Rahimuna yarhamuhumur Rahman. Those who are merciful, the Rahman will have mercy on them. So do this out of mercy. I know it's tough, I know it's difficult, but do this out of mercy because your reward can only be given to you by Allah. You may be miserable in this world, but your reward will only be given to you by Allah. And now make this dua. Our Lord, uh, our Lord, have mercy on them, just as they did my tarbiyah and nurtured me from a young age or in a young age. Have mercy. This is because they did for us, we are now asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's one of the best gifts we can give to our parents is to be, uh, to be kind and honorable to them and uh, to respect them and to be service, uh, of service to them and to have mercy on them. And then Allah says, look, Rabbukum a'lamu bima fi nufusikum. Allah knows what's in your heart. You know, if we make mistakes, we do get angry sometimes. Inshallah, Allah knows what's in our heart that we want to respect, but shaitan overcame us. If you are going to be righteous, and if you're going to be righteous, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all forgiving for those who turn back to Him. We've made mistakes. Maybe we've done bad with our parents, right? Or with anything else for that matter. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us if we've got true, sincere repentance. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that don't forget your relatives as well. Give the, the, your close ones, give them their rights. Today is a weird world. There's a lot of people today who get along much better with their friends than their family. They've not seen their aunties for such a long time. They don't enjoy going to see their aunties. Maybe the auntie is not enjoyable. Maybe the uncle is not very enjoyable. Some uncles, I mean, not every auntie is so enjoyable, you know, and that you enjoy being with them, right? Um, what you do is you at least just give them a call and you just keep your relationship. Unfortunately, in our times, uh, our relationship is based on reciprocation. If they come, we go. If you don't come, I'm not going to come. He's not been to my house for six months, I'm not going to go. I've made a different policy. And I said this to all my relatives. I said, I don't care if you don't come. For me, it doesn't bother me. If you don't come, no problem. I'm going to come to your house when I can though. Because that's my responsibility. I'm not going to do it just because you come or you don't come. Seriously. I'm very busy so I don't get to go all the time. But my intention is to go. And when I go, I go. Even if they've not been to my house for two years. You know the families, they grow. You know, 60 years ago when our Muslim community is how old? 60 years approximately. 1950 something it started initially. And then big families came, 70s, 60s, 70s. And now, mashallah, you know, it's difficult that one, three brothers who came to the UK, their families have gone into like 200 people now. How can you keep it with everybody? You know, it's difficult. You just do your best. You just do your best. So at least I am not sinful in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the barakah is that Prophet said that whoever is good with his family, Whoever is good with his blood relatives, that 
the, the exact words are that whoever wants to leave a mark, to have an extension in life, that his effect in life will be extended, that could mean you're given longer life, or that you will leave a legacy, then they should be good with their relatives. There's a barakah in that. And subhanAllah, I have seen in many families that if there's one of the brothers, one of the members, and he is the most obedient to the parents and he serves them more, he has the most barakah. I've seen cases where two, three brothers, one is an alim as well, the other one is very religious, the third one is decently religious, not as much as the other two, but he has more barakah than these people. Because he is known to give the barakah in your life that you get from parents, because Allah incentivizes this, it is amazing. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us. And Allah, in the next verse, it's related. You know, when you, uh, Allah has made it a sadaqah to spend on your family. If I spend and give money to Ummah Welfare Trust, I get rewarded, inshaAllah, to give to the poor. If I spend on my family for their needs, then I get rewarded for that as well. But what happens is because it's your own family, you might get uh, a bit overboard and you might start extravagance you might start doing israf wastage Allah doesn't like that those who squander wealth who waste wealth use it in the wrong ways if I spend on my family to do something wrong or haram it's completely wrong. If I do something, if I spend on them to show off, that's wrong. Those who are squandering their wealth, they're the brothers of the shaitan. And shaitan is a, a, very ungrateful to his Lord. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to have a balance. May Allah protect us from stinginess and also protect us from, ex, from extravagance and excess. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be obedient to our parents and understand the message of the Qur'an. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to interact with the Qur'an, understand the Qur'an. May Allah allow us to be elevated by the Qur'an. Wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarak ta'ad al-jalali wa ikram. اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين اللهم اللهم يا فارج الهم ويا كاشف الغم مجيب دعوة المضطرين رحمن الدنيا والآخرة ورحيمهما ارحمنا برحمة تغننا بها عمن سواك يا معدن الجود والكرم يا أكرم الأكرمين ويا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المعطين يا الله يا الله اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا واهدنا وارزقنا اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات يا الله have mercy upon us يا الله the people who are sitting here today to listen to your kalam to listen to the advices of the Quran oh Allah bless us all oh Allah make life easy for us oh Allah make life the way you want us to be O oh Allah, make our lives the way you would like us to be. Make your obedience beloved in our heart. O oh Allah, make your disobedience hated in our heart. O oh Allah, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our wrongdoings, our excesses, our shortcomings. 
Oh Allah, oh Allah, our distractions. Forgive us our sins that we remember and those that we have forgotten. Oh Allah, those that have brought miseries in our home. Oh Allah, forgive us from doing sins that have taken the blessing out of our houses. Oh Allah, from that, those sins which have caused disunity to appear among us, for us to be conflicting with one another, to turn fathers against children, and mothers against husbands, and husbands against mothers. And O oh Allah, this fire that, that is raging in the homes, O oh Allah, allow us to understand and rectify ourselves. O oh Allah, we ask you forgiveness from those sins that have now become part of our life, and we no longer even Consider them sins anymore. Oh Allah, grant us beneficial knowledge. Oh Allah, bless all of those who've established these masjids. And oh Allah, some of them have passed away. Oh Allah, illuminate their graves. And those who are here, oh Allah, grant them great rewards. Oh Allah, accept us all for some service of your deen. Oh Allah, the few worships that we do in this month of Ramadan, if we cannot be forgot, forgiven, then what a deprivation it will be. Oh Allah, allow us to be completely forgiven. Oh Allah, write us of those whose Names are written in the register of those who have been freed from hellfire. Oh Allah, make us closer to you in this month of Ramadan than we've ever been before. And make this Ramadan better and more fruitful for us than we have ever had before. But oh Allah, the main thing is allow us to come out of Ramadan closer to you and remain close to you. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifuna wa salamun al mursaleen wa alhamdulillah. The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam, and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.